0: The Matheson Pensions Podcast. Presented by Deirdre Cummins, partner in the Employment Pensions and Benefits Group at Matheson. This podcast series examines the topical legal issues affecting the operation and management of occupational pension schemes in Ireland, and is relevant to pension scheme trustees, employers, pension practitioners, and industry professionals. Hello and welcome to the Matheson Pensions Podcast. My name is Deirdre Cummins and I'm joined today by my colleague Jane McKeever, an associate in the group. Earlier this year in February, the government launched a five-year action plan for the reform of the Irish pension system called a Roadmap for Pensions Reform. This document identifies the key challenges facing supplementary or private pension provision in Ireland and these are as follows the low level of pensions coverage and the disproportionately high number of schemes. So in effect, this means that not enough people have a pension and there are far too many small schemes or one-member arrangements in place. In addition to this, people are living longer. So pensions have had to pay out far longer than ever before. And finally, the continuing trend of historically low interest rates has had the effect of increasing the cost of pension annuities and undermining the sustainability of defined benefit pension schemes. To address these challenges, the roadmap identifies six strategic strands under which various measures are outlined. And these measures are designed to overhaul or modernise the approach to providing pensions income in retirement. I think it's helpful to set out these six strands and they are identified as follows. Reform of the state pension, the introduction of an automatic enrolment savings system, improving governance and regulation to include the implementation of the IORPS 2 directive, measures to support the operation of defined benefit pension schemes, public service pensions reform and supporting fuller working lives. So Jane, turning to that list, one of the most significant proposals contained in the roadmap and the one which has received a lot of media attention recently is the introduction of an automatic enrolment system for Ireland. Can you tell us something about that?
1: Sure. So auto enrolment is a pretty straightforward idea and it's something that successive governments in Ireland have been looking at for quite a long time now. Essentially, it involves taking employees who aren't already covered by a workplace pension scheme and putting them into a scheme. It can be either mandatory or soft mandatory in nature. So with mandatory employees are put into the scheme and they're not permitted to opt out and soft mandatory, they are enrolled automatically into the scheme, but they do have the option to opt out. And the aim behind it really is to try and increase pensions coverage with the ultimate aim of achieving universal pensions coverage. So
0: why do we need something like this in Ireland now?
1: Well, Ireland, like most developed countries, has been facing a number of problems with respect to pensions provision. Firstly, we have an ageing population. And something that a lot of people don't tend to realise is that state pensions are actually paid from current tax income. So there's no savings in place to pay for the state pension. Current workers pay tax and that's used to pay the current pensioners. Now, at the moment, there's about five individuals working for every pensioner, but that's expected to decrease over time. And as the population ages, the number of workers is going to decrease further and the cost of funding the state pension is put under enormous strain. So then, Deirdre, as you already mentioned, we're also experiencing increased longevity here. Now, that's generally a good news story. Obviously, people living longer is great for everyone involved. But what happens is when people are living longer, pensions have to be funded for longer and that's obviously increasing the cost. The other issue that we're facing is a decline in pension savings since the last recession. And to be honest, that was starting from a pretty poor base. So somewhat depressingly, figures show that private sector workers, uh, about two thirds of them don't actually have any supplementary pension provision in place. So they're relying entirely on the state pension to fund their retirement. Now, the state pension is currently coming in at around €12,000 per annum. That's clearly a relatively low figure, and it means that a lot of these workers are likely to face financial hardship in their retirement. So, so
0: far, so familiar, really. But what can auto-enrollment do to address this?
1: So, Deirdre, as I already mentioned, one of the main problems we're facing here is the really low level of pension coverage for private sector workers. The government has tried a number of methods to address that, And I think the most obvious is the really attractive tax incentives that are there for people who invest in pension savings. But none of the measures taken by the government or the pensions industry to increase pensions coverage has really had any significant effect. So the question of why people don't invest in their pensions has been the subject of numerous studies by behavioural economists. And what they find is that people either don't realise that they should be saving at all for their pension or and this is where auto-enrollment is valuable, they do realise that they should be saving, but they don't do that. And when people are questioned about their reasons for doing that, what comes up is that sometimes they're saving for other more short-term goals, such as purchasing a house. Sometimes they don't understand the range of products that are available on the pensions market. Sometimes they just don't get around to filling out the necessary paperwork. And what auto-enrollment can do to address this is that it takes the requirement for an active decision by the individual out of their hands. Employers are required to automatically enrol any eligible employees into the scheme and then all of the employer, the employee and the state all make contributions for the employee's benefit. Once people are in the scheme, what's been found is that the same inertia that stopped them joining a scheme stops them opting out and that has the effect that coverage increases. It's, It's really a very simple idea.
0: It's nearly too simple, really. I mean, does it actually work?
1: Well, yes. In terms of increasing coverage, at least, I think it does work. And there is numerous examples of that around the world. In the UK, for example, auto enrolment was introduced in 2012. And what they did there was roll it out in stages. So initially, only the largest companies were required to participate. They then rolled it out to medium-sized companies. And it's only this year that the smallest companies have been required to make contributions for their employees. When it started, approximately 45% of private sector workers were covered by a pension scheme. So I guess they were doing a little bit better than we are here. And after four years, that had increased to 66%. and 90% of people included remained in the scheme or didn't opt out. So that's equivalent in the UK to 9 million additional people with some level of supplemental pension coverage. And given that it's only this year that it's been fully rolled out, those numbers are clearly going to increase further. Okay, well,
0: that certainly seems to be effective in terms of increasing coverage. I suppose that leads to the next obvious question is why we haven't been doing this before now.
1: I think that's a fair question. And I think there is a number of reasons behind that. Firstly, since the last recession, I think there's been a sense in the pensions industry that adding any additional costs either onto employees or onto employers would be a bad idea, that it has been, you know, a difficult time for everyone. And increasing costs would be unattractive. Aside from the affordability issue, the design of an auto-enrolment scheme is always going to be complicated, and there's loads of options available for consideration. For example, some countries don't allow employees to opt out at all, others allow them to opt out but subject to restrictions, and some allow opting out at any time. Then there's the question of contribution rates and how those should be structured, and in particular the government incentive element of that. Another question for consideration is whether savers should be allowed to access their savings before retirement. So say in New Zealand, where they have some form of auto-enrollment for new workers, they allow people to take out their savings if they're moving abroad or if they're buying their first home or if they're suffering financial hardship. So we need to look at things like would that work here or would allowing people to withdraw their savings like that be counterproductive? Personally, I suspect that the complexity of these issues and the difficulties around how best to address them on the part of the government has led to some level of paralysis in terms of moving things forward.
0: You're listening to the Matheson Pensions Podcast. Well, whatever the issues have been in the past, the current government certainly seems ready to move this forward. And I'd like to turn now to the strawman public consultation document relating to auto-enrolment published by the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection.
1: Yeah, Deirdre, I think this government certainly seems more willing than any previous government to really tackle pensions reform. And that's clear from the publication of the roadmap. I have to confess, I haven't really had a chance to get into the detail of the consultation document. What are they talking about when they say a strawman proposal?
0: Essentially, the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection has formulated a proposal for how auto enrolment could work. And this proposal is being presented as a straw man. The idea is that it generates discussion and prompts useful feedback. So the department has pointed out in the document that it's not presenting the straw man proposal as the answer, but merely as an option. And that once the consultation process is complete, the end design might closely resemble the straw man, but equally it might be quite different from it.
1: Okay, so that sounds like a good approach in terms of generating discussion. So what does this straw man structure look like?
0: Well, there's nothing overly surprising or unusual here. Currently, the straw man looks something like this, and there's a couple of components to this. So I'll just take you through them. Employees between age 23 and 60, earning over €20,000 per annum and not already contributing to a pension scheme will be automatically enrolled. Now employees can opt out of this, but they can't opt out before the end of a minimum membership period, which is currently proposed to be six months. So they can opt out in months seven and eight. But employees will be re-enrolled every three years and then of course they can opt out again. There will also be a savings suspension period where employees can stop paying contributions without coming out of the scheme or ceasing to be a member. In terms of contributions then, employees will initially contribute a minimum of 1% of gross earnings and for these purposes, gross earnings are capped at €75,000. This will be matched by their employer and the amount will be increased each year by 1% up to a maximum of 6%. So you get a contribution of 6% starting in year six. The state then as an incentive will also contribute and at the moment it is proposed that the state will contribute the equivalent of one euro for every three euro saved by the member. The scheme from what we can see at the moment will be done on a defined contribution basis and access to the funds in retirement will be linked to the state pension age. I probably should also say at this stage that the design of the scheme is that employees or members will have personal accounts and those accounts will be portable between employments. In terms of investment then, members can choose from a range of investment options, you know, where the money is invested, high risk, low risk, whatever it might be. And if an employee does not choose, the funds will be allocated to a default investment fund. And that's not unusual or dissimilar to what would happen in occupational defined contribution schemes at the moment. In terms of fees then just to finish the point it is proposed that a maximum of 0.5% of the value of the assets under management will be charged for these investments.
1: Right well there's loads to consider there so looking a bit more closely at target membership is it the case that auto enrolment is just going to cover people who don't have a pension scheme then?
0: Exactly. Employees who are already members of a pension scheme will not be automatically enrolled. So to reiterate, it proposes that employees between the ages of 20 and 63 and earning over €20,000 will be automatically enrolled. And apparently, when you look at the figures, this could cover in excess of 400,000 people. So that's quite significant in terms of increasing pensions coverage in Ireland. I should say that employees earning less than 20,000 euro or outside the age bracket so that is under 20 or over 63 will not be automatically enrolled into this system neither will the self-employed and that's an important point to note but these categories of people can elect to opt in if they so wish It's also worth noting at this stage that an opt-in facility is being considered for people outside paid workforce but as of yet we have no idea what that might look like
1: Right. And looking then at contributions, I think you mentioned that they start at just 1%, which seems very low. And like from an employer point of view, I can't imagine that they'll be too delighted about having to make contributions at all.
0: That's correct. And This is an element of the straw man that is likely to elicit some criticism, I think, from both sides, with some people saying that the contribution amounts are too low and are insufficient to provide adequate retirement savings. And then on the other side, employers are likely to be unhappy about the imposition of additional labour costs. So if we go back, the proposal is that the employee will be required to make an initial contribution of 1% of qualifying earnings. And again, that's capped... Qualifying earnings are capped at €75,000 and that is to be increased on a phased basis over a number of years up to a maximum of 6% at the beginning of year six. The employer is required to match that contribution on behalf of the employee. So effectively, this introduces a requirement for employers to make a contribution to a pension scheme for the first time in Irish law. Currently, as you'll know, employers are not required to make a contribution. They are simply required to facilitate employees in accessing personal retirement savings accounts and to facilitate the employees in making their own contribution to those accounts via payroll. So auto-enrollment undoubtedly is now a new and additional labour cost and it could potentially cause financial difficulties for some employers, especially smaller employers.
1: And then as well as there being an additional cost involved, I expect there has to be some level of administrative burden on employers.
0: Yes, there is also an obvious administrative burden here in that employers will have to automatically enrol new employees and they will have to facilitate anyone who wishes to opt out. And that could be particularly onerous in industries which have a high turnover of employees and extra administration is undoubtedly going to lead to extra cost. On that point, IBEC have been keeping a very close eye on developments in this area and their position is that given the potential impact on labour costs, the government should give a firm commitment that there will be no further cost increasing measures during the rollout period. So we'll have to see what happens in that space. And I should also just say at this juncture that if employers fail to do what is required under the system, they could be subject to an initial penalty which is likely to be an administrative fine in the first instance. And if the failure continues or is sustained for any period of time, they could be looking at criminal prosecution. So this is not an optional system.
1: Okay, there's clearly loads of moving parts here and I have to say it's kind of difficult to see how the whole system will operate in practice. Is it going to be left to employers to administer it?
0: No Jane, the government has said that they will establish a central processing agency or a CPA to administer the system. The administration of the system will not be left to employers. And in this regard, the strawman document talks about how the government would like the system to work and they certainly have very high hopes. For what they're proposing to put in place. They have talked about a cost-effective system where members can benefit from economies of scale. They want to ensure high and consistent standards of service and they want to ensure portability for employees so that the account comes with the employees as they move employment. So in very simple terms, how they envisage this to work, the CPA will be responsible for sourcing a number of what the straw man calls registered providers. And in simple terms, that's investment houses or where the employees can invest their money. Contributions then will be deducted by the employer via payroll. They will be transferred to the CPA and then the CPA will remit the contributions to either the selected registered provider where the member has chosen to invest the money and if the member hasn't made a choice to a default provider. The state contribution will also be remitted by the CPA and in terms of information the CPA will provide an online portal where both employers and employees can register and the idea is that this will act as a central repository or a key source of information for anyone who is involved in the system. So, for example, if members want to opt out of the system, which we talked about earlier, they can opt out via the online portal and the CPA will process that opt out for them.
1: So the CPA is central then to the delivery of this auto enrollment system. Is it proposed then that members will enter into a contract with the CPA?
0: No, what the strawman says in relation to that is that the contract would be between the registered provider. So again, where the money is invested and the member. And it's the registered provider who will be expected to deliver the retirement savings, potentially on a master trust basis or maybe on another employer, multi-employer basis via the CPA portal. And the CPA will be responsible for providing all the services to members. So if you think about normal pensions, services such as account administration, investment management, member contributions, they will all be the responsibility of the CPA.
1: It's interesting, actually, that the straw man mentions master trusts, because I know this is an area that the Pensions Authority has really been focusing on as it tries to decrease the number of schemes operating here. Does the straw man cover that in any detail?
0: Not really, no. Although there is a mention in passing to tackling what the proposal calls the fragmentation of pension provision in Ireland. And I know that in the UK, for example, master trusts have really taken off since the introduction of auto-enrolment. And I think it's likely that we can expect something similar here.
1: Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. It certainly seems to have worked well in the UK. So it's obvious that loads of consideration has gone into developing this straw man. I'm I'm actually quite impressed with the level of detail that has been included. So what's next?
0: The consultation, Jane, is open until the 4th of November this year. And the straw man contains a series of questions which are designed to prompt comment or responses. Now, I should say that a general submission can also be made on any aspect of the proposal. You're not simply confined to the questions that are set out in the proposal. Then after November, once the consultation closes, the government will obviously need to take some time to consider the feedback that's received. And then after that, I suppose we're back into the roadmap in terms of timeline for next steps for the government. And what the roadmap says in this regard is that the first quarter of 2019 is the target date for finalising the design of the system. And then the end of the first quarter of 2020 is the target date for developing legislation to give effect to auto-enrolment. I mean, this is very new. It's the first time we've had anything like this in Ireland. So we don't have anything in our legislative framework at the moment which would support the operation of a system like this. So some work will need to be done in order to facilitate that.
1: For sure. But it does seem like the timeline might be a little bit ambitious. But that said, so far so good in terms of everything that they have promised has been delivered on time. So hopefully we can expect the same moving forward. Hopefully, Jane, and we'll be keeping a very close eye on this as it develops.
0: Join us next time for more pensions related discussions and analysis. Thanks for listening to the in Pensions podcast. For more information, go to matheson.com forward slash pensions.